0: The infamous Joseph Goebbels was the Nazi propaganda minister who almost became the president of Germany. A former Catholic student with dreams of becoming a priest, Goebbels used his skills in literature and history to rise to power as a master manipulator and propagandist. He played a key role in some of the worst acts of violence in history, including the Holocaust. He was known for his extravagant personal style, wearing expensive designer suits and jewelry. He had a notorious casting catch. His most cherished affair was with Czech actress Lida Barová. But even this was not enough to satisfy Goebbels' desires. With a long history of sexual conquests, Goebbels was the Casanova of Nazi Germany. Goebbels remained loyal to Hitler until the end, even serving as Chancellor for a day after his suicide. In a shocking final act, Goebbels and his wife poisoned their six children, all under 12 years old, before taking their own lives. Edward Bernays, the most influential person you have never heard of. Edward Bernays, often referred to as the father of public relations, was a psychoanalyst, consultant and theorist who, as the nephew of Sigmund Freud, popularized many of Freud's ideas about human identity and desires through applying them to propaganda campaigns that promoted the interests of politicians and big businesses. It was Edward Bernays who was hired by big tobacco companies to break the taboo of women smoking in order to increase their revenue. He did this by staging an event where paid female aristocrats lit their cigarettes or torches of freedom during a 1929 parade in a show of defiance and solidarity. This led to a huge boost of cigarette sales to women. Bernays is responsible for many other capitalist transitions the US experienced that led to modern-day consumptionism. Propaganda is a loaded word these days. Hang out on social media long enough and you'll see it mentioned over and over and over. But it's not just some buzzword. It shows up three times in the AP World History curriculum, and two of those times are in Unit 7. Propaganda means any communication in which someone is trying to convince you of some. And beyond that, propaganda will often present selected facts to push a narrative that they want you to believe. Now in Unit 7, Global Conflicts, the propagandas you need to know were used to push populations to support or fight in World War I or World War II. Here's one for World War One. See how the German brood is shown as an ape coming to America to take your women and destroy your culture? Hey, that's pretty messed up. Better join this war to stop. This one from World War II shows the Germans and Japanese looking to take over America next. Not on my watch, you stupid Nazi. So look out for propaganda all around you in general, but especially in Unit 7. My friends, welcome to the Sheep Geek Sheared Podcast. We're here we talk about people, politics, and popular culture. I'm your host, the one and only Austin Creed. My friends, I want to welcome you into the show. Today, we're talking about propaganda and how it has poisoned your mind. Now, I know that sounds very aggressive and very, oh my, I should be scared. I should be horrified. My friends, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it because guess what? That's why we're talking about it today. And I want to show you something. First of all, I want to define terms. All right. Here's what we're talking about. Propaganda posters. I'm sure a lot of you have seen these before. Like the I want you for the um, I want you for the US Army. The posters we've seen in World War One, World War II, uh, we've seen some of these even after World War One and World War II and the Cold War as well. But here's what we're saying. So propaganda posters were a way for the government to communicate. Ideas are feelings to the public during wartime. I mean, obviously, right? They are often created with the goal of inciting emotion. Very key, very key. I wanna say, I want you to remember that. And they are often created as a goal to incite emotion. Propaganda posters were used during World War One to encourage enlistment, build hatred of the enemy, garner public opinion, mobilize support for the war effort, Encourage participation in war bonds, again, giving the government money, and then publicize victories in notable battles. Now, my friends, that's World War I. I mean, we can all see that. For those of you who care enough to know about history, we know these things, right? But here's something you probably don't know, because there are wars going on right now. Now, I'm going to share the screen, and I'm going to show this with you. The Ten Commandments, so it's called wagging, you ever heard of the phrase wagging the dog? It's a political term that usually refers to war. Now, here are the Ten Commandments of wartime propaganda. And this is being compared to the Russia-Ukraine war, because I believe propaganda is being pushed on both sides. If You do not think that it's being pushed by both sides, you're a fool. Now... Here is the are the Ten Commandments of propaganda, and I'm going to read them for you. And I want to hear what you have to say. Here they are. Number one: We do not want war. We are only defending ourselves. Sound familiar? Yeah, that's what Zelensky's been saying since day one. Can you can you okay? Can you imagine this this guy? I I feel for the Ukrainian people. Do not misconstrue me whatsoever. But this, I despise Zelensky. He is a disgusting person. He's, okay. For those of you who are new to the show and you don't know, I've played the clip before of him playing the piano with his schmendrick on, like, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, he literally did this. And now he pretends like he's Winston Churchill and George Washington in an undershirt. I don't believe it and on top of that he has the nerve to now disrespect israel which makes me sick now we're gonna keep going i've only done one let's see how long it takes me to get through these our adversary is solely responsible for the war oh man tell me that this has not been stated since day one please tell me i would love anybody to tell me this has not been exactly what they've been saying Number three, our adversary's leader is inherently evil and resembles the devil. How many times in the last couple months to a year have you heard, oh, oh, Putin evil, Putin unstable? How many times have you heard that recently? Oh, Putin weak, he's being overthrown. How many times have you heard that recently? Oh, me, I've heard it a lot. So, again, we're only three in, or have already gone three for three, let's keep going. We are defending a noble cause, not our own particular interests. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello? We, we must prevent World War III. If you don't give us weapons, well, World War III will happen, and they will invade Poland, and they will invade Germany, and they will take over all of Europe. Sound familiar? Mm, yeah sounds familiar doesn't it number five the enemy is purposefully committing atrocities if we are making mistakes this only happens this like this happens without intention in other words the enemy is committing atrocities and if we make a mistake while trying to stop them then it's also their fault Now, I am not here to tell you that Russia has not committed war crimes or that Ukraine has not committed war crimes. What I am saying is the line is always pushed by both sides, that they are the righteous people defending their country from the opposing force. And if they make any mistakes or have to make hard choices, they do it, but they don't want to do it. They had to do it because of the other person. Next one. The enemy is used, the enemy makes use of illegal weapons. Uh, hello? Does anybody question this one? Uh, I don't think so. Now, I want to say, as someone who used to be in the Mun squadron at my old base when I was in the military, I am not a fan of all the weapons that they are sending because a lot of them are very dangerous and ones that are banned by every country in the world, besides the United States, Russia, and Ukraine, incidentally. The cluster bombs are what I speak of. Disgusting weapons that should not be used, in my opinion. But of course, when there's money to be made, you best believe people will make do. Next, we suffer few losses and the enemy's losses are considerable. has anyone else heard the numbers that they're saying of how many Russians have uh, died recently? You know, hit the dirt. How many Russians are you know, taking a dirt nap versus how many Ukrainians are taking a dirt nap? The numbers fluctuate a lot. You know why that is? Because it depends upon what narrative they wish to push. That is what propaganda is. It incites you to see things from a certain perspective exclusively. It does not want you to see things at a holistic perspective because then you're liable to ask questions and they don't want you to ask questions. Next one. Number eight. Recognized intellectuals and artists support our cause. In other words, all the smart people support us. All the creative people, they back us. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? All the the so-called intellectuals, the, the wise guys on the cable news channels, the eight and the alphabet channels and all the guests they have on that are members of good standing of the Democrat machine who is fueling this war and making a lot of money off it as well as the Republican Party. Oh yeah, don't think the Republicans are as clean as a driven snow. If you think that you I'm sorry to tell you it's not true. our number nine our cause is sacred. again. We are right, the enemy is not right, so side with us. That's essentially what that means. And finally, number 10. Whoever, whoever cases, cases doubt on our, whoever doubts our propaganda helps the enemy and is a traitor. Let me ask you something. How many people have you seen recently on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, How many people have you seen recently that anybody who questions the Ukrainian government's line, anyone who questions anything about the war, anyone who says anything that is anywhere near neutral, or potentially in favor of Russia is immediately, immediately castigated as, Oh, you must be some Russian spy. You must be some... You know, Putin-backed person. You must. You must be some kind of Putin uh, cell. Immediately, they jump down your throat and try to discredit you. Immediately, they don't address any of the points you've made, any of the questions you've raised. They immediately just jump down your throat and say that you must be some kind of Putin stooge. How about all those Zelensky stooges out there who will just support Ukraine because they're the perceived victim instead of the, the seeing the situation for what it is, which is a mutually assured problem on both sides. The guy who ran as an anti-war, I won't join NATO, suddenly is the biggest warmonger in the history of Ukraine. Can you kindly explain how that happened? Again, I'm not saying that it's one side's fault exclusively because that's just, that'd be naive and dumb. I'm saying that both sides are responsible for this war. And anybody who says otherwise, I mean, you're just not seeing reality. You're seeing what you want to see because people are telling you what it is you want to hear and you're believing it. Which leads me to my next point that I want to bring up is the manipulation of the human being into believing what they want you to believe and tailoring it accordingly. Now, I'm going to bring up this. So, we touched on Joseph Goebbels earlier on in the show. Now, I'm going to bring up some quotes from him that I think you might find interesting. Here, I'll share the screen. Here's one of his quotes. A lie told once remains a lie, but a lie told a thousand times becomes the truth. Did you get a chill up your spine? I know I did. Let's keep going. Propaganda works best when those who are being manipulated are confident they are acting on their own free will. I I can tell a lot of you are going to be mad about what I'm saying to you because immediately you're going to start questioning everything that you've ever been told oh, you're going to question nothing and say that I am the sellout, Then I'm the one trying to propagandize you and trying to get you to believe something, when in fact, I am not. I am trying to get you to ask questions and think. Because people who think and ask questions are the most dangerous people to any social order or religious order. Next quote. There is no point in seeking to convert the intellectuals. For the intellectuals would never be converted and would always, would anyway always yield to the stronger and this will always be the man in the street. Arguments must therefore be crude, clear and forcible and appeal to emotion and instincts, not the intellect. Truth was unimportant and entirely subordinate to tactics and psychology. My friends, I want you to question what you are being told. When he says intellectuals, he's not saying if you're a professor, you're safe. He's not saying that if you're a a self-proclaimed genius that you're safe. That is not what he is saying. He is saying that the people who actually think for themselves, the people who question everything that is told to them, are not easily convinced, which is why he goes around it and uses emotion and not logic. Because when you use emotion, it's like going through the weak part of a city's siege defenses. You don't see it coming. You don't expect it to happen. You're fortifying the wrong place. Everyone has a weakness. But those of us who think are the hardest ones to convince and to turn away. This is the last quote I'll read from him. Think of the press as a giant keyboard on which the government can play. Uh, that would be the Alphabet channels. That would be a lot of your friends on social media. That would be a lot of your the people that are members in good standing, like the people on Fox, MSNBC, CNN, all those people, in my opinion, fit into exactly into this. All right, this will be my last one that I read from him. This is the secret of propaganda, which pertains to the following. Those who are to be propaganda, to, to, those who are to be persuaded, sorry, be it should be completely immersed, they should be completely immersed by it in the ideas of the propaganda without ever noticing that they are being immersed by the ideology. In other words, they shouldn't even know that they are being subtly told something. They're being subtly shown, oh, you should believe this. Oh, no, 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 that's wrong because it makes you feel bad. This makes you feel good. So therefore, you should go and pursue this. This is not only politics related, but it's most commonly used in politics, but it trickles down into everything in your life, whether it be marketing and public relations that you see from companies or the government. Now, speaking of public relations, I actually took a class on it because I find it very interesting. And the father of public relations, would be this gentleman right here. I've Edward um, Bernays. Now he was the guy who's known as the father of public relations. He's the guy who was responsible for kind of pushing a lot of Sigmund Freud's ideas of psychology and feeding them into the marketing machines of the big corporations, especially big tobacco. And then he used those to push and change the consumerist culture in America especially, but in the Western world as an after effect. Now, I'm going to bring some of his ideas to you, and I want to see what you think. So it says, his rebrand of propaganda is this. He says, having seen how effective propaganda could be during the war, Bernays, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, by the way, wondered whether it would prove equally useful during peacetime. Yet propaganda had acquired a somewhat pejorative notion and connotation, so he promoted the term public relations. In other words, the term propaganda people were catching on to, so he changed it to public relations. This can be seen today with companies and marketing how they get you to buy and consume what they sell. He says, during the insights of his uncle, who was Sigmund Freud, yes, they were related, a relationship Bernays was always quick to mention Giving him an ethos, he developed an approach he dubbed the Engineering of Consent. You hear that? The Engineering of Consent. He provided leaders the means to control and regiment the masses according to our will without their knowing about it. Are you spooked yet? To do so, it was necessary to appeal not to the rational part of the brain, but to the un. Conscious, again, the emotional appeal—a way for them to accept what you're saying without having to logically register it as a foreign concept. Bernays acquired an impressive list of clients, ranging from the manufacturers such as General Electric, Porter and Gamble, and the American Tobacco Company, to media outlets like CBS and even politicians such as Calvin Coolidge, who would then become president of the United States. To counteract President Coolidge's stiff image, Bernays portrayed organized pancake breakfasts and White House concerts with Al Jolson and other Broadway performers. With Bernays' help, Coolidge won the election in 1924. Bernays Um, Publicity campaigns were the stuff of legend. To overcome sales resistance to cigarette smoking amongst women, pay attention, ladies, Bernays staged a demonstration at the 1929 Easter parade having fashionable young ladies flaunt their torches of freedom cigarettes. He promoted lucky strikes by convincing women that the the green hue of the cigarette package was among the most fashionable of colors. The success of this effort was manifested in innumerable window displays and fashion shows. My friends, does this not send a chill up your spine? Does this not shock you to realize that a lot of the things you've been told were not your ideas, but they're so ingrained in your psychology? But you're like this can't be this, this can't be true this can't be true my whole world view is being questioned how do i deal with this how do i deal with this i don't know what to do austin tell me what to do well i, I can't do that i wish i could but i can't this is something that you have to think and use for yourself how are the how are you being influenced in your life right now are do you consume the same amount of media do you not provide a a blanket? Do you not question the things that are told to you, even if it's from people that you trust and that you admire? Do you not question everything that you're told? Do you not have the inkling to disagree with what is being told to you? These are important things that you must do. Otherwise, you risk becoming somebody different and becoming impressionable and being used by these people that you don't even know you're being used. You think you're free, but you're not. You're becoming a member of their puppet, they're becoming a puppet that they're using. My friends, that's why George Orwell wrote that the more he heard people twinkling around saying that they were free, they're free, I'm free, the more he heard the rattling of their chains. That is why he said that. My friends, I want you to question what you're being told. I want you to really evaluate what you think is true. And not just once. It should be on a revolving basis. You should always do this. But my friends, God bless you. God bless your family and God bless America. I think I made my point and I'm going to be out of here. I got to roll. Peace. Peace.